There's a great violinist who, at the end of his life, was writing out, you know, what was to be done with his things. Niccolo Pagnini had written so many great orchestrations. He was known as the best of the best. And upon his will, he was to give his violin away to the city of uh, Genoa. And in Genoa, they were supposed to not let anyone touch it again or play it again. They were simply just to hold on to it. Here's the thing about an instrument like that. As you play it and as you handle it, it wears out a little bit. But it's normally being useful and being used, and so the wear isn't so great. But when it is no longer used, and in the case of Nicola's violin, it is now worm-filled and is unuseful for anything except for a relic. I think there's got to be something that gets into a Christian that is saved by the grace of Jesus that we become active, that, that something takes place in us that moves us from generic Americanism into a holy discontent that makes us move. It allows us to no longer be firm-footed to the ground, and instead we begin to run towards a purpose. God begins to speak over us to move. Now here's the thing. God has always done that. God is telling the whole world to move in his direction. The wind and the waves the wind that blows, the trees as they move, the butterflies as they fly, the rocks on the ground, all declare to you to move for the nature of God. Here's the problem. You can live a miserable life doing nothing. You don't even know it. We, we don't even catch it. I think the best way to describe it would be to look at what the movies tell us. Y'all know every once in a while there's a movie that comes out that has like reality-based something and then there's a protagonist that comes in and goes, reality's not real. This is the real reality. Like the Matrix. Y'all remember this? Man's living his life, doing his own thing, and in walks a man that says, if you wanted to see something real, would you take that moment? And he takes the red pill and all of a sudden he's in the Matrix and he starts to see the world for what it really is. If God created the world, if God breathed life into existence, into Adam, shouldn't we be living after that kind of God? But it seems like our world is living after what we've created. Don't you see that? A creative God gives man creativity, and what he creates, men begin to worship. And it makes you wonder if we haven't changed the creator of the world for the creative amongst us. So here's what this is about. The last three weeks we've talked about what it means to be a person pursuing God. We talked about this in a fresh new sense, that for a Christian to live a life of freshness, there are some things that we should be doing instinctively. Things like this. A Christian that is growing should spend a lot of time in prayer and fasting. It's just what we should be doing. That should be a natural thing. And you may say, well, I can pray, but fasting is only going to happen when the doctor asks me to. I'm telling you that Jesus asked you to, and so we should fast. We also talked about two uh, weeks ago 
that a Christian that's growing should spend a lot of time in the Word. You should become a learner when you open your Bible. Don't just read the Bible to say you did it. That's man's applause. Read the Bible to hear what God has to say into your life. Become a learner. Then a growing Christian begins to take place. Last week, uh, Grant preached on a Christian should have a worshipful life. That's not just coming into the worship service and raising your hands. Um, Again, the more we become the show, Jesus becomes less. So the more we point the spotlight upon us in worship, the more Jesus gets less of the spotlight. So we need to point to him and everything we do, our mind and focus on him. Don't worry about the world around you. Let Jesus be the focus. So in our worship, we begin to see that worship life isn't just about music. Grant talked about that last week. It's about doing everything for the glory of God. It's about breathing him in and out. It's about showing up. It's about service. It's about deepness with him. And today I want to conclude this sermon series with you guys. We're talking about a growing Christian serves. During the Lord's Supper, we talked out of Matthew 20 about the mom of the sons of Zebedee. And, And she's saying to Jesus, let my son sit with you. Let him have a share of this thing. And he's like, you don't even know what you're talking about. I came to serve. Didn't come to be served. You're wanting your sons to be served. That's not the kingdom of God, by the way. The kingdom of God is not your buffet. The kingdom of God is God's glory. And we get to sit at his table, not the other way around. The kingdom of God is not first cafeteria where Jesus sits at your table. The kingdom of God is a table that Jesus has set that you get to sit at because he allows you to. Y'all remember the moment that you used to sit at the kids' table at family events? You know what I'm talking about? You would show up and all the family was together and you'd get the family, you know, you know, adult table, and then the kid table. Do you remember when you were called up? You know that aunt and uncle no longer showed up, and you're the oldest? And they'd say, hey, Kyle, you can sit here. And all of a sudden, you turn around and you looked at the poor fools at the table that were still left behind. And you're like, ha, <laughs> And then you sat at that table, and you realized that's the boring table. (laughs) You sat there and you're like, we're going to talk politics and taxes. Hey, this is boring. And they're all like, you burned the bridge, bro. Don't come back. (laughs) Jesus' table, there are no more politics. There is no more hurt. There is no more pain. Praise God. Amen. We get to sit at Jesus' table. And I'm telling you what, that dude deserves every plate served to him, doesn't he? I mean, we're blessed. Let's just admit it, we're blessed. We get to be a part of what God's doing on a daily basis. But we get to do so because Jesus, at the center figure of our table, came to serve us. And that makes no sense, does it? Jesus, who had no sin dies for us so that we might have a right relationship with God. He came to serve. So let me just start the sermon by saying this. Serving is at the heart of Jesus. Serving is at Jesus' heart. So that means this. If service isn't at the heartbeat of you, you lack the heartbeat of Jesus. 
You cannot not serve and follow Jesus. It's an impossibility. You can't simply stand by and hope someone else does what God has called you to do. We serve because we have a Savior who deserves to be served, and He came and served instead. That should activate us to do something with our lives. So the next question is this. When did Jesus stop serving? Was it when he rose from the dead he just stopped? Because remember what he says to his disciples? Behold, I go and prepare a place for you that where I am you may also be, and I am coming back to take you with me. So what is he actively doing? Preparing a place. So has he stopped serving you? The answer is no. He is still in service. Which is crazy because we live in a world where service always drops. Anybody have a cell phone in the room? You're used to things dropping off. Anybody have, you know, internet in their house? (laughs) Anybody have a dish on the outside of their house? When we get a cloud in Amarillo, what happens? Gone. We're used to service stopping. The problem with that is all man-made But the things of God have yet to stop. They just keep going. And because of that, you and I have an attitude that we should take on. That because of that, you and I should be doing something different. Galatians chapter 5, starting with the 13th verse. We pick up right in the middle of Paul talking about how we're not prone anymore to this lostness. We don't, as Christians, have this deficit anymore because Jesus has filled our bank full and he's talking to them about hey listen keep going just know this that Christ forgives you there's freedom in Christ keep going don't fall down don't stop on your journey if you stumble get back up focus on him and keep going and then we get to Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 and he says this for you are called to be free brothers only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh But serve one another through love, for the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. Something happens in the life of Christians where we come in as innocent people. I really believe this, not sin innocent, but like knowledge innocent. We are unchurch cultured, and we walk into church, and there's a greatness about it. There's a freshness about it. Man, people sing songs. Man, they have a Bible. That's awesome. I want a Bible. I want to sing that song. Oh, that person raised their hand. I want to learn to raise my hands. Done. And there comes a time where after a while of doing that, we quit being excited about Jesus and about his gathering together, and we become ordinary. It's like we walk in in this kind of gray color. And then we become this spectrum of greatness before God. And over time, we become this brown mixture of grossness. You know what I'm saying? When you blend all the colors together, eventually it just becomes some greenish-brown color that no one really likes. That's the color they keep trying to give you in the Crayola box that stays sharp the whole time. Or that gets broken. Um, But over time, we, we get to this mess instead of this vividness that God's supposed to, to, to give us. 
And I, I just got to tell you, I think that vividness is when you come in as a Christian and you begin to get connected and you begin to grow, that you begin to serve and you stay in that service and you don't give up. Because when you get into Christian retirement, which tends to be where the church is found today, we become a mess. So many holes, but no one to fill them. So many ministries, but no one to start them. So many ministries left undone, but no one to finish them. We have more ministry tombstones than we do birth certificates because we're not vividly serving God. Don't you see it that Jesus wanted us to be alive? He didn't want us to be dead. He didn't want us to be ineffective. He didn't want us to be culturally acceptable. He wanted us to be foreigners. He wanted us to be exciting. And he wanted all men drawn unto him because of our love. But when we stop our service, when we don't identify the heartbeat of who Jesus said that he was, when all we become is consumers and not servers, we become a church that Jesus never wanted. And believe me when I say this, Jesus is not for every church that calls themselves church. There are some churches that don't even look like him at all. That I believe he has written on their church, Ichabod, the glory of God has departed. And they may gather, but they no longer gather with him. They gather together to high five one another and to start things they love, but they have turned their eyes off to the people around them. And over time, they become more like themselves than Jesus. You know, I, I think the danger is this. Our people all around us are starting new churches because the old churches are no longer reaching people. And to them, I say this. Quill Creek is over 90 years old. We're an older church. We are what people call an established church. And we are. God's blessed us with great heritage with great people, with great legacies. But we are far from being dead. We have just begun to reach people for the glory of Jesus. So when your face walks in the room and you come in with hands and feet, as your pastor, I expect for you to use them because we are far from done. I believe that God's built you so different than the person sitting in the pew right next to you. Maybe that's your mate. Maybe that's your best friend, but I believe that God's built you completely different than them. I believe that God's given you a unique ministry that no one else in this church has the heartbeat for, and God's waiting for you to say, I will go. I will start it. I will be involved. I'll lead the way. But until then, that ministry will never catch fire because the match that was meant to, lit, to light it simply refuses to be lit. Christ came to serve, so should we. We're given freedom, according to Paul's letter, to serve, to set others free. That's what we're meant to do. For you are called to be free, brothers, but don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another in love. We were given freedom so that we might reach out to others so that they would have the same freedom. I remember when I was in high school football, our coach uh, found this new tool called a parachute runner. And it, it looked like a harness that you would hang from the wall by. You'd click in, and there was a guy back there holding this fabric in a ball. And our coach would say, run. And you would run it about 10 yards, and the guy would throw it up in the air like this, and it was a parachute. So you'd run as hard as you can, and you'd go, like that. 
And then you run, and the coaches say, don't let that parachute touch the ground, Clayton. Run. And you're like, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? Um, I was always playing Eye of the Tiger in my head, but I'm not going to hum that. Anyways, and I was running as hard as I could, and you'd, you'd blow the whistle, and you'd stop. And then you'd take out the harness, and you had to beat your time back. Which, if you've ever run with a parachute, you realize it hinders you. You may be running, but you aren't running at full speed. And so when you start on the other end and he blows the whistle, you fly back. And then you started the process with someone else. So we all did this time and time again, time and time again, time and time again. And I remember hating those practices. Those of y'all that are doing two-a-days and now, you know, practices or football or whatever sports you're in, you feel that, that I'm practicing for nothing moment. I'm lifting this for nothing. I'm running for nothing until the fourth quarter of a game hit. And in the fourth quarter, when we were running down the field and our opponents were left 10 yards behind us, all of a sudden that parachute made sense. All of a sudden that freedom that we now felt and our opponents didn't let us win. That's the world. Your friends and your coworkers, they may be running. They may be grinding out life but they're running with a parachute without Jesus. They're running as hard as they can, and they're expending all this energy to get somewhere that God wants to take them if they would just let go of themselves. You and I are given freedom to set others free because what Christ sets free is free indeed. And so you and I get that opportunity. We're given ministry. You and I were called to be free. So don't use your, your freedom, it says, to indulge a sinful nature, but serve one another in love. Get out there and do the work. Mark Dever, he is a pastor in Washington at uh, Capitol Hill Baptist. And uh, the, the spokesperson or the leader of Nine Marks group, he wrote a book. And in it he says, love means inconveniencing yourself for other people. Love means inconveniencing yourself for other people. Don't you know that Jesus could have shown up? and still save the world any way he wanted? Who is he? He's God. He could have built the biggest, baddest lamb on the planet. He could have built a mega lamb. And he could have said, upon this mega lamb, all your sins are forgiven. But it wouldn't have been by his stripes. It wouldn't have been by his blood. He wouldn't have had skin in the game. He would have had a sheep in the game. You see, Jesus died himself. So that you and I wouldn't put our trust in a lamb, but in the lamb that was slain. That we trust in him and give him everything that we have. And we need to identify something today. Being served is a universal thing. It's universally needed. Because when we look at our world, we look out and see everybody wants to be served in some way. Here's how I know that. There's fast food places everywhere. People want to be served. You know, yesterday, uh, I was sitting in my living room, and I was tired, and I was like, man, I, I want to watch the Cowboys play tonight, but I also want some Buffalo Wild Wings. But I don't want to drive across Amarillo, because Amarillo's crazy. And, uh, and so I looked at April, and I said, hey, there's a place in town that delivers food. I'm going to try that. And so I paid to have someone else order my food, pick it up from a restaurant, and drive it to my house so that I could sit there and do nothing. And I loved it. 
The food tasted better because I didn't have to do anything. I just sat there. They rang my doorbell. I gave them some cash. I smiled at them. And then I ate. You know, have y'all ever seen the movie Wally? In the movie Wally, this, you know, all that's out there on planet Earth are these things cleaning up the Earth. But out in the middle of space is a spaceship of people who over time have relied upon other things for so long that they've become, you know, extra wide and they're all on these floating things and they long, no longer do anything. I want that. <laughs> Join me. Anyways, uh, we all want to be served. Your coworkers want to be served. Your classmates want to be served. They want to know it's somebody out there that would give of themselves for them. And I think there's this thought in the back of our minds, well, if we serve, who serves us? Because we are all that four-year-old kid that wants it all, right? We all want to be that kid that says, but I want it. Give it to me. And we, and we expect God to do that. God, I know I don't buy Powerball tickets, but let me win. God's like, no. Don't steal and don't covet. You're like, but I want to. Don't you feel that sometimes? We want to be served. And so does a lost world. But they don't know what service looks like. They have no clue what service looks like. But we know what it looks like. And it's not the guy today that brings out your food. Because that person's not happy to serve you. That's their job. And in fact, they probably won't like you today. Because you're going to show up amongst the other people and complain that it takes too long to get your food. Or that it wasn't done your way. It's not service. Service is Jesus on the cross that took all of our stinkiness and all of our rudeness and all of our lack of love and obedience and he nailed it to a tree through his hand for you and me. That's service. Service is loving someone without any receipts. Jesus died not so that you would love him, he died because he loved you. He, he didn't need a receipt from you. In fact, I want to tell you something that I know is true. You can't repay him. You can try. You can spend the rest of your life giving everything you have for him and not equal up a tenth of what he is for you. You know how I know that? You would have to pay him back for every breath, for every moving of blood through your veins for every blink, for every eye dilation. You know how I know that? He knit you together in your mother's womb. You can't even repay him for the breath, let alone you couldn't don a cross and equal enough. Nothing. You know what he asks of us? To set ourselves on the shelf at his table and say, I'm all yours. And I know that even all I've got is not enough. But I'm available. You know, the other day, my son, I was working on something, and he said, Dad, can I help? And I said, yeah, buddy. And I said, turn this screw in this thing. I can't remember what we're working on. And he starts, and he can't even twist it. He threw it down, and he's like, I can't do this. And he started walking back into the house. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? I can't even help you. I said, it doesn't matter. Stay right here. So I turned the screw a little bit, and I said, now it's your turn. He tried, and he goes, I can't do it. So I turned a little bit more, and I said, now it's your turn. He did it, and he's like, 
you did it. And I said, no, but you were here. I did it. I could always do it on my own. But it matters that you were here. And so when I talked to mom and sister, I said, hey, Nolan, help me with this. And he's like, I didn't do anything. I said, yeah, but he was there. Let me just tell you what you can do for God. Nothing. Because it's not good enough. Our best is filthy rags, as Paul said, right? But you need to show up. Because God's going to use you mightily. And I want to be just absolutely used up by God by the time I leave this world. I want to go out through the pearly gates on this side, you know, just barely pulling my legs behind me. And I want to go through the gates with not even needing legs. Just being like, ah, right? Are you with me? Just floating straight through, Wally style. Anyways, I, I want to extinguish my life. And it's not because my good's ever going to measure. And it's not because God's going to say, oh, look at how fancy my Kyle is. Everybody applaud him. He is my special boy. <laughs> it's because that side of heaven, he's going to be there. And I, I, I'm excited about that. And I want all of y'all with me. And I want all the people I run into in Amarillo with me. And I want all the people I run into in my travels with me. I want everybody at the table with me. Because when I show up at Jesus' table, we're all going to have a party. It is going to go down. And I believe Jesus loves techno music. Because um, you don't have to sing to be a part of it. And it says make a joyful noise. There ain't no singing involved. Techno Jesus. Anyways, everybody wants to be served. And we can serve anytime to anyone, anywhere, because of Jesus. Serving is universal. It doesn't have a language. Serving is universal. It doesn't have a prejudice. Serving shows up to everyone the exact same way. So I'm going to give you a task. You ready? Y'all ready to write something down? To This week, I want you to do me a favor. Go by your bank and get five $1 bills. Five $1 bills. Are you with me? Y'all writing this down? And I want you, one at a time, to hand it off to someone you have no clue who they are. I, I'm not saying you need to roll up next to the guy that has a sign there that says anything will help. A job will help him. I'm saying I want you to go out and find someone in a random place. I want you to walk up to the guy standing in the line at Walmart in front of you or at the line in front of Wendy's in front of you. I want you to tap him on the shoulder and go like this. God wanted me to give you a dollar. And just go, just wait, just wait, because they're going to go, why? And then you can go, because God gave to me. He sent me Jesus. And today, all I got is a dollar, but it's all yours. Let me just tell you what's going to happen. A $1 bill can change the world. And it may not mean anything to them. The person in front of you may be a millionaire. But all day long, you know what they're going to think about? The crazy person in line behind them that gave them a dollar. But then you have four more, don't you? What if this week in Amarillo, Texas, $1 bills changed the world? Because you just showed up with them. So there's you a task for this week. Serve someone. 
Make it small, but make it meaningful. One dollar at a time. Try it. See what happens. See if it doesn't change someone's life. So we can serve anyone at any time, anywhere because of Jesus. But I want to give you the, the cautionary tale at the end of this passage and we'll be done. 15 says, but if, uh, let me back up, for the entire law in verse 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But, this is the caution, if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you'll be consumed by one another. I believe church world is this. If you come and serve, you're identifying with Jesus. But if you don't come and serve, you're a devourer. And I know what happens when people devour. People that serve in the heart of Jesus don't complain. They don't have time for it. They're looking to other people to serve because they love Jesus. People that complain tend to be devourers. They may serve, but they're not serving because Jesus called them or they have the heartbeat of Jesus. They complain because they want it their way, because they devour. You see, they think that Jesus is Subway. That Jesus is going to make it their way or they don't like it and they're going to have it changed. People that serve show up and they take the meal that Jesus sits before them. So, I just want to give you the final challenge. When you aren't serving, you're devouring. So, waiters at a restaurant, when they come out to your table, if they sit down and they eat off your plate, you should punch them straight in the throat. You should run out. You should stand out on the sidewalk and say, don't eat here. Don't do that. Give them a dollar. Um, but that's not how they do it, is it? If they came and brought out your plate today, and they had it in their hand, and you ordered chicken, and they picked it up and went, it's good. Quality control. Would you eat it? No, you wouldn't. You'd call the manager over and say, your server just took a bite out of my chicken. You know what would happen to them? They'd be what? Promoted, that's right. Uh, they're now the manager at the fast food place next door. Um, they'd be fired because servers don't devour. Servers serve. Let me just ask you, how is your Christian walk today? Are you praying and fasting? Have you picked a particular time or date where you're going to spend time intensely giving up food for the sake of prayer and intense focus before God? Are you spending time in the Word? Do you have someone or some buddies that are holding you accountable to your time in the Word? Who knows where you're reading? It should be several people. And when you're not reading, they should hold you accountable. How's your worship life? In everything that you do, are you pointing it towards Jesus? Are you searching for him in everything? And in your trials and in temptations, are you searching him out? And how's your service? Are you someone that Jesus can count upon? Isaiah had this moment. He goes into the temple. And he sees the Lord's robe filling it. He's blown away. He says, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. And he just simply said these words. I am ruined. For I have seen God and I am a man of unclean lips, living in a generation of unclean lips. And God doesn't leave Isaiah there. Angel takes some burning coals, places upon his lips. 
And then God says this, who will go for me? Who can I use? The man that walked in the room with unclean lips raised his hands and said, I will go. Send me. Let me ask you this. You might have come in the room, and when I talk about service, you already discredited yourself. You said something like this. Well, Pastor Kyle, you don't know where I come from or what I've done. You don't know all the scars I have underneath my shirt that I'm trying to hide. If you just knew my resume of spiritual walk, you wouldn't even let me in the church. Let me just tell you something. Our Bible is full of people with scars, with stories and with resumes that you wouldn't allow to teach your Sunday school classes, but that God used as the patriarchs of faith that wrote most of our Bible. If he can use a guy that killed Christians to write to Christians and grow his church, he is definitely going to use you and I. But he's just looking around the room this morning, and he's saying this, who will go for me? And whom shall I send? Who will be my representation to their world? Who will go out leaving church today and find people in need and serve them deeply no matter how they look, how they talk, where they come from, or what they do in response? Who will go for me? And that is exactly why Jesus died, is so that you and I wouldn't have an excuse. Because Jesus died for everyone. Not just for the ones that we like. He died for the world. And so today, your charge and my charge is this. Let's live our lives burning for Jesus. Let's serve deeply. Let's dive headlong into the things that God says matures us and grows us up so that we can be useful. And so that with our lives, we will set fire to all those around us. Because I want to tell you something. You can start a world's worth of fires with one spark. Will you be that today? Let's pray and ask God. God, use me. God, send me. God, let me serve you. And God, prepare a place because I'm going there. Even if it's one dollar at a time, I will go. Because serving's at the heart of Jesus. And today, God, I want it to be at the heart of me. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I just pray, God, that in this room are people like me, God, that need the sermon that says we not only need to serve, it needs to start today. God, I need that. God, I need that encouragement to say keep going, keep moving, start now. God, it's, it's too much, Lord, to ask that we would start tomorrow. Because you didn't wait till tomorrow to die for us or to continue to serve us. You're doing it now. So God, we praise you and we thank you that you can make us useful. Lord, tools that have been dulled and beaten by the world can be sharpened and made new with the blood of the Lamb. And so because of you, Jesus, we declare today, use us. Move us, God, to intersect lives, Lord, that don't know you. Lord, intersect us with lives that physically need you to touch their lives. And Lord, use us today to be the change our nation desperately needs. God, we can make a difference, but not because we are so great, but because you have always been great. And so, Father, praise you and thank you that you can use broken people like us. God, praise you that you can use me. So, God, 
Lead us to be obedient to you. Lead us to brokenness. Lead us to mending. God, help us today to be eyes wide open to what you have to say to us in this time of response, God. Lord, move on us, Lord. Leave us, Lord, completely just changed today, God. Because when you show up, we can't help but be changed. We praise you, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Stand with me. Y'all come this morning. Find yourself at the altar this morning. Now is the time to be seen by God, not by others. Pray where you are. Give your heart out to him and say, today I choose to be changed. Today I choose to be made new. God, today is going to be my day to serve. Let's come as we sing. Used to be for creation, eternity in your hands. Use both the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. Used to be for my failure. And carry the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders. My soul now distends. So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. So I walk upon salvation, your spirit alive in me. My life to declare your promise. My soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart of God completely. So what can I say? What can I do? But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. Completely to you. In art of ending, in art of the one who gave it all, I'll stand my soul, Lord, to you surrendered all I am is yours. sisters at the coast. 
Um, we know they're facing trials today. And we know there are some that have lost some lives. So do me a favor right where you are. Let's just pray for our friends at the coast. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we are in awe of who you are. You're a great God. In the midst of trials, in the midst of pain, you're still a good God. Lord, it's hard for us to understand why things happen. But God, we know that this side of heaven will never understand why things happen like hurricanes, Lord, and their effect on our world. But God, we pray for our family and friends that are down by the coast. Lord, we know that their world is topsy-turvy. We know the loss that's there. Lord of life, of property, Lord of connection, history, of businesses. God, it's vast. So God, we pray your provision over these people, God, that you would enact us when we can be a part. God, in all things that we would count you as good, God, you have a plan even in the midst of the storm. And so Father, we pray your provision, we pray your blessing, we pray your guidance over our friends and family there. And we ask God that today you would take care of them. Lord, guide them, direct them, be with those faithful ministers that are braving the storm to minister to their people. God, we pray a special blessing over them. Be with the first responders that are having to go out amongst the storm. And God, we just ask a special protection over them as well. Give our government agencies wisdom. And God, we pray for healing that's to come. May your name be made great. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.